This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning, it's John Moore. This is The Breakfast Wrap for Monday, December 19th. The weather forecast for today looks like it's going to be a cloudy day. There's a slight chance of some flurries this morning, and we're looking for a high of plus one degree. Here are the five things you need to know. Number one, a shooting in Vaughan has left six people dead, including the suspect. Number two, the world celebrates what some are calling the greatest FIFA final ever. Number three, Canadian kids appear to be getting sicker. Number four, new Hockey Canada board has set a one-year goal to turn things around. And number five, food inflation is fueling shoplifting. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. How I would have loved to have launched the show this morning by reliving the incredible thrill both in Qatar and right here on the streets of Toronto of yesterday's soccer game. And we will be talking about it, obviously, because a lot of people think that that was, I mean, it's historic any way you look at it. But the number of people who know soccer calling it the greatest championship game of all time is really quite something. And in my own case, I was watching the game. We were out at a uh, virtual golf lounge, and there was like a half hour left in the game, which was precisely the amount of time it would have taken us to get home in the car. So I thought, okay, let's just stay here. I think this is going to be a biggie. And boy, was it ever. And we will talk about that because, you know, it's nice to relive things that give people a thrill and send them out into the streets with huge smiles on their faces, hugging strangers. But we have a crime scene in Vaughn this morning that is really, really jarring. It's at 9235 Jane Street, which is near Rutherford Road. And around 7.20 p.m., police were called to the building with multiple shots fired. Uh, The suspect ended up being engaged by police and being shot and killed by police at the scene. So it would appear that that suspect killed five people before being killed himself. This is York Region Police Chief Jim McSween. At about 7.20 p.m., our officers responded to what was an active shooting call here at 9235 Jane Street. Once the officers arrived, they were met with a horrendous scene uh, where numerous victims were deceased and there was an engagement between the officers and a subject and throughout that engagement, after the engagement, the uh, subject was deceased as well. The chief was asked to, you know, basically lay out the numbers on how many people were dead at the scene. What I can tell you at this point is there are five deceased victims, one deceased subject and one victim who was initially shot and uh, that person uh, will survive and is uh, transported to a local hospital. Now, the big question, of course, is who was the shooter? What was the motive? Who were the dead? And initially, I think some people thought, you know, there could only be two scenarios. Uh, One is, you know, sort of one of those random shootings where somebody wants to take a whole bunch of people out. But things like that don't generally happen in condo towers. Uh, The other was that maybe this was a shootout between gang members. But our friend Joe Warmington at the Toronto Sun has been messaging us and we're going to have him on live on the show this morning because he's been working this story and he says the evidence he has so far is that the shooter is a man in his 70s and he was a member of the condo board of director condo board of directors who was in a legal battle with people in the building so 
if the math adds up, then that is somebody going on a rampage over some sort of perceived dispute and taking out either other members of the board deliberately or just going after people in the condo tower in order to wreak the greatest amount of havoc and misery. So, as I mentioned, uh, we have a CP24 reporter at the scene this morning. Uh, Joe Warmington's already committed to joining us a little later on in the show, and he seems to have some pretty good insider knowledge. But this is, um, you know, uh, don't even have the adjectives. It's just, I mean, it's a tragedy, but also not something that you, we've, We've been noticing over the last while, and we'll talk about it on the show this morning and elsewhere, that there has been an uptick in violence in the city of Toronto and in the GTA. And part of that is not necessarily that we're any more inclined toward criminality. It's that we're becoming a bigger and bigger city. So we're having bigger and bigger city problems. Um, but, you know, mass shootings are not that common. They happen in Canada, but they're not all that common. And in this case, um, the thing is, the SIU, the Special Investigations Unit, is on the scene because this was a police-involved shooting. The presumed gunman was shot dead by police at the scene. And whenever the SIU comes into play, then all of a sudden there's such an incredible clampdown. I don't even think we can expect a police briefing this morning or any further information from the scene. However... Reporters talk to people and they get stories from inside of the building. And in all likelihood, we start to build a better impression of, um, of what happened there last night. It certainly mars what should be one of those days where you wake up and you go, yeah, that's why I still feel good. Yesterday's soccer game was an extraordinary affair. And if a civilian like me who isn't even a big soccer fan, can watch a game like that and yell out loud numerous occasions. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It's one of those things. And that's what you know, sports is, right? Um, like I said, we were at this uh, swing golf lounge where we go every Sunday and play virtual golf. And then bay after bay after bay, all of the players would step away from their golf games and start watching the game to the point where everybody gave up on playing and everybody was just screaming and yelling. And then you're joshing back and forth and you're celebrating together. And then people find out they're rooting for different teams. So there's some false rivalry. I think this clip, though, of an Argentinian play-by-play -play guy kind of gives you the thrill that ran through everybody, but especially Argentinians. Okay, I edited that down from a two-minute segment because he's crying, he's just... And, and you don't even need to speak the language, right? I mean, all you hear is Argentina. And, yeah, Argentina won the championship. Things erupted all over the world. You cannot believe... Um, I'll see if I can share it on our social media platforms. Depends on whose footage it is. But somebody used a drone 
in in an Argentinian city, and it is extraordinary. I mean, it has to be every single last citizen in the streets going absolutely nuts. And so if FIFA soccer can do that in Qatar and in Argentina, and I guess they partied a bit in France until they went off, got a baguette and cried. Um, but if it can thrill people that much, then think about this four years from now when that comes right here to the city of Toronto. Time now to say good morning to John Moore, News Talk Radio 1010. To see what's on his mind to start the day. Good morning, John. Good morning, George. Welcome to Monday. Right. Uh, and a terrible way to start our discussion. Uh, multiple victims in Vaughan, a mass shooting. Yeah, this is a very startling affair, isn't it? It's inside a condo at 9235 Jane Street. Police called to the scene last night at 720. Uh, it appears that five residents are dead, plus the gunman, who was also probably a resident in that building. The gunman was taken out by police. Now, the big question for many is, who are the victims? Are they related to each other? What is their stat? You know, who are they, essentially? And I can tell you that our friend Joe Warmington at the Toronto Sun has been working the story and says that this is actually, um, by his estimation, a condo dispute gone wrong and that the gunman was actually a 70-year-old member, disgruntled, a member of the condo uh, board. Yeah. And we're unlikely to get to any formal information for a while as it's now under the purview of the Special Investigations Unit, so we'll have to uh, do some digging ourselves, all of us, on that story. Uh, in other news, John... Uh, I guess we can chalk this up to desperate times and inflation, et cetera. Grocery shoplifting is going up. According to retailers, you're absolutely right. They're losing a lot more stuff that is being shoplifted, mostly meat and dairy products, which are the two most stolen items. Groceries, as I think most people know by now, have been subject to incredible inflation, 11% year to year. Now, here's a story that, uh, you know, we're getting conflicting information. Uh, last day I worked last week, Thursday, you had the feds saying, the, Fed, uh, the federal health officials, that the flu virus is, has not peaked yet. Our top doctor in Ontario said it has peaked. Bottom line is kids are still getting sick, lots of them. Well, that's the thing. It's mostly kids who are paying the price right now, and that's why we've had our pediatric hospitals across the country, George, filling up with kids. They're calling it a tridemic uh, because we have common flu, COVID, and then the respiratory virus. But kids are also coming down with other things like scarlet fever. And one of the working theories, as your doctor probably will explain, is kids were protected. They weren't in schools. They weren't out doing team sports. Uh, they were wearing masks. And so for two and a half years, they were not exposed to an awful lot of the things and that their immune systems have been compromised as a result, or they're just not as robust. Right, yeah, yeah. Basic immunity requires... Constant uh, bombardment. <laughs> um, Argentina, boy, what a World Cup game. Maybe the best soccer wow. game I've ever seen. Yeah, and you know soccer so much better than I do. I was watching it as a civilian, but I just couldn't take my eyes off of it. And, you know, we have France barely showing up, and then all of a sudden tying it up 2-2, and then we get to 3-3, then we get to the shootout, and in the shootout, Argentina wins. It's a storybook ending, especially for their 34-year-old uh, Lionel Messi, yeah. because that's it for him. And then we all have this to look forward to. If you see how much joy this brought to the streets of Toronto yesterday, imagine what's going to happen when it happens in 
in our city four years from now. Just imagine, yeah. Uh, 14 more teams will be participating, or sorry, 16 more teams, so it'll be a, a bigger affair, and can't wait, cannot wait for the World Cup to come here. Uh, and finally, John, uh, one of the salty snack staples out there is going to be no longer available here in Canada. This is something people started to notice a couple of months ago, and it's been confirmed that Bugles, which most of us grew up with, and let's face mm -hmm. it, every one of us put them on their fingers of to course. make the claws, are no longer available in Canada. It's a very competitive business, as a lot of people may know, when it comes to snack foods, and there's only so many we can put on the shelves, and occasionally a producer will just say, it's not worth my while to ship this off to a place where I don't even think I can get the shelf space. Uh, I can tell you, though, George, we've been doing some investigating and apparently there's a salty crispy horn-shaped corn snack uh, that you can find called tongari corn and it's usually uh, stocked in Japanese retail outlets so you may be able to find something that substitutes for bugles. I knew I could count on you for for a substitute because I don't want to live in a world without bugles. No, bugles are, are one of my things. <laughs> Me too. Hey John thanks very much good chat have yourself a good day and a good show. That's George Lycojanis, our friend over at CP24, our sister television station. You're listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. And the breaking news is something, it's not unknown in Toronto to have uh, mass killings, but it is always going to be shocking. Six people dead, five of them murdered apparently by a man who was then shot by police. This is the York Region Chief of Police, Jim McSween. One of our officers did discharge a firearm, I can confirm that, and uh, as a result, the subject uh, is deceased, and the SIU will take it from there. The SIU, people always sort of say this reflexively, it's like an F key, I think. Um, you know, the SIU has invoked its mandate, but I mean, the way that works is, if there is a police-involved injury or killing, then the SIU Special Investigative Unit has to take over the whole thing to establish whether or not I don't know if they, we, I don't think we use that um, language in Canada. Don't they say it in the States, just like righteous kill or whatever, um, where they say, no, listen, the officers did everything they could and this person um, was killed. Yes, unfortunate, but it was, you know, the police are not guilty of misconduct or anything. And certainly in this case, if what Joe Warmington from the Toronto Sun is telling us is true, then this is a case of a man who flipped out over some sort of um, grievance with his condo committee and then started shooting his fellow condo dwellers. And I guess the only story that will be told moving forward will be who are these people? Are they related to each other? Was Did he actually target other members of the condo committee? Was there actually a condo committee meeting uh, happening? Or did he just go after other residents in the building. Um, so we're not going to know for a good long time through official channels. But at 6.05, we'll be talking with our crime specialist, former homicide detective Mark Mendelson. 6.35, we're going to talk with the Toronto Sun's Joe Warmington, who spent the night working the story as well. But five seemingly innocent people are dead and uh, one person, the presumed gunman, shot dead by police. One other person rushed to hospital with injuries. Uh, then we get to, you know, it was a kind of a good week for Toronto Police Service in terms of 
rounding up people that we only had blurry photographs of, but who we needed to get off the streets. And the latest in that is Toronto police arresting a suspect in connection with two random attacks that happened on the subway. Um, first incident, this was at Kennedy Station. First incident happened on December 15th, around 10 p.m. The suspect allegedly approached a male passenger, began attacking him with, uh, by punching him. About an hour later, the suspect approached a female passenger on the subway, again at Kennedy Station, began attacking her by shaking her. Suspect stole her headphones and threatened her. Charges have been laid against a 25-year-old arrested on Saturday, charged with robbery, assault causing bodily harm, and uttering threats. And perhaps it's uh, overly charitable in these cases, but they seem to have a bit of a through line, which is that these people may be uh, having mental health problems. And then you get to, I think it's New York City, where they're shifting the policy. And I, I think we've probably shot past the place in Ontario where we would ever back up on the way things are now. Um, but it was decided many years ago, if you didn't want to be locked up in a mental health facility, you could not be. You could not be locked up against your will. And, you know, as long ago, I'd have to look it up because it was years ago I wrote about this case for uh, a television script. But there were two women and they actually went to the hospital and they said, we're, you know, we're, we think we should be locked up. And then one of them changed their mind. And so they left the hospital. And then out of nowhere, they plunged a knife into the chest of an undercover police officer sitting in a vehicle and killed him. And but that's, you know, if we're going to have a society where and I think, wow, it's a major philosophical an intellectual exercise to decide whether or not people should be confined against their will. But at the moment, the price we seem to be paying in terms of random violence on the streets of Toronto is astonishing. On the show this morning, because a lot of these attacks have been taking place on public transit, we're going to be speaking with a representative for um, the effectively transit workers. Uh, ATU Local 13, 113 President Marvin Alfred will join us. Uh, at 7.20 this morning to talk about how workers and riders are being exposed to violence and in some cases deadly violence on the TTC. So I was mentioning Elon Musk. Uh, he was photographed in one of the luxury boxes at the finals in the company of Jared Kirshner, who's Donald Trump's son-in-law. Don't, you've outed his location now, so you're going to get I kicked know. off Twitter. I know. We probably have to explain all that. Yeah, I'm not going to dwell too much on Elon Musk because I began to appreciate a little while back, most people aren't on Twitter. Most people don't care about Twitter. And obsessing over what's happening at Twitter is kind of like obsessing over what's happening at the Washington Post. It's compelling, but it's not really of complete general interest. However, when the richest guy in the world takes over a platform and then starts tweeting in a bizarre combination of like a banal British tea lady where he just sort of asks abstract questions like what he hasn't asked, what is your favorite cat? But he might as well. And then he gets into this total right wing nuttery in obsessions over people like George Soros and the um, plandemic, as some people will call it. 
Um, but, you know, Elon Musk is in a bit of trouble here. Oh, I said I was going to explain what that was all about, Robert Turner. And yes, Robert Turner is on the show this morning. Um, so Elon Musk started suspending reporters on the weekend and, and especially going after one guy who uses publicly available information to say where Elon Musk's plane is. And as you may know, there are websites where they give uh, tail numbers on planes and yacht numbers, and you can find out where any of these yachts or planes are. Elon Musk said that was a security threat to him because somebody was disclosing his whereabouts, and so he kicked that guy off Twitter. And then he turned up at the stadium at the finals and kept tweeting out pictures saying, look where I am. And people said, oh, so you're disclosing your location? Are you doxing yourself? Um, but there's some problems for Elon Musk, one of them being the lack of measure to all of this stuff. I mean, it would seem that right-wingers were upset about how they thought Twitter favored liberals. So now, in the name of fairness, what they want to do is kick liberals in the butt. So listen, either you're in, in for free speech or you're not. But the other problem would be this. Uh, his main company, Tesla, stock opened the year at $400 a unit, now at $150. And lest you think, yeah, but the whole market's had a bit of a crap year. Yeah, not like that. The market is not down by that much. Also, it's not a free speech issue. Twitter's an entity unto itself. Oh, it has a terms of service. So, you know, you don't have the right to freedom of speech on Twitter. Uh, if, if it's Twitter kicking you off, as long as it's not the government kicking you off, you're all good. Yeah. I, just there's so many crazy issues. And Twitter is is not, you know... It's not the public square. It may seem like the public square, but it's actually becoming increasingly anyway, a very unpleasant and stupid public square. All right, Robert Turner, let's turn aside momentarily from the unpleasant news this morning and the violence in our community and return to the elation uh, that was felt around the world, except if you're from France. You know, that was, that was sad for the French. But you know what? I realized... I, I was watching this game, and I wasn't really rooting for anybody. I was with a friend. I mean, French waiters have kind of put me off France. Um, but I was with a friend who has roots in Argentina, so we were kind of rooting for Argentina. That almost got us into a bit of a conflict at the bar we were in. But anyway, uh, on the streets of Toronto, which obviously has um, an awful lot of soccer fans and an Argentinian community, Siobhan Morris was tapping into some of the excitement. And in 2022, the world champions are Argentina. From Qatar's Lucille Stadium to the streets of Buenos Aires, tears of joy as Argentina captures its first World Cup since 1986. This path to glory was winding, an unforgettable on-pitch epic. This might be one of the best World Cup final matches of all time. It took extra time, then penalty kicks to crown a victor. A virus had been plaguing the French squad, the defending champs. You could just see it in their legs in the first half. They just didn't have it, but they needed that hope, and they got that glimmer of hope with that Mbappe penalty kick uh, in the 80th minute. Less than two minutes later... A volley from Kylian Mbappe evened the score and put Argentina's cruise to victory in doubt. The 23-year-old phenom netted a hat-trick, but it was bitter disappointment for French fans. This was superstar Lionel Messi's moment in the sun, an exclamation point on the career of one of the greatest players the game has ever seen. With the final goal scored in Qatar, the ball has been passed to the Americans. They'll host most of the next tournament. We could not be more excited 
uh, to host four years from now in partnership with Canada and Mexico, uh, the next World Cup. Ten matches will be played in Canada. It's going to be a massive moment for the Canadian men's team and soccer in this country as, as a whole. The fact that, you know, the biggest sporting event on the planet uh, is going to be played on Canadian soil. Kickoff for the next World Cup is in June 2026. That's a long time from now. Well, it's four years, but, you know, I, maybe the, uh, the crosstown will be done by then. A few things to set our hopes on. Yeah, because I'm sure the plan to bring the World Cup here won't have lots of budget overrun, too. Yeah. Well, it, but it also doesn't seem like we're, it's not like the Pan Am Games where we're building all sorts of brand new facilities. I'm sure we're going to clean a few things up and maybe Smart Track will be working. Who knows? Uh, we do have to expand BMO Stadium. But if I understand that story correctly, and I should ask Bob Richardson, since he's a News Talk 1010 contributor and he's with Soccer Canada. But I think the extension of BMO is going to be a temporary affair. And that's something that's been pioneered at some Olympic Games over the last couple of cycles. Because one of the biggest problems is there is a requirement that you build a stadium of a certain size in order to have the Olympics. And that size is almost completely useless for everything else you will ever need to hold. It's why the Olympic Stadium was an awful place to watch a football game. It was a terrible place to watch a baseball game. It wasn't a great place to watch a concert either. So what people started doing was building stadiums that could seat, and i got to look up the figure, but I think it's 80,000. It's got to be um, uncovered. It's got to be open in order to host the Olympics. And it has to seat a certain a, a minimum number of people, which is in the many, many tens of thousands. It just seems really wasteful to do the temporary thing, though. Like, at least if you're going to build it and have it for a while, you could host more events there. Yeah, but one of the crazy things we discovered about stadium size in Montreal was that football wasn't working. The Alouettes, people were not enjoying the games at the Olympic Stadium. So they moved them to the um, McGill Stadium, which is much smaller but cozier, and all of a sudden everybody loved football. So that, I think, is our dynamic, that there's a certain size that works for certain events, and then there's the requirement for something like the World Cup of Soccer. I don't know. The NFL seems to do fine with really huge stadiums that hold lots and lots of people. Yeah, but not the CFO. Right. But, you know, if we want to think big, maybe we build it bigger and make it permanent. Why don't we just build a brand new facility right in the middle of the green belt? That's what we should do. <laughs> You're just trying to be deliberately provocative this morning? A little bit. All right. And uh, one of the things in the five things you need to know that we mentioned, I don't know if this necessarily is a debatable, because what are you going to say about it? I don't know. Is anybody pro shoplifting? Um, but we have shoplifting is rising. Apparently, it has surged to a, quote, alarming level across Canada. And a lot of this is food shoplifting. And... There's a few dynamics here that are kind of interesting. Uh, I mean, one would be the cost of food has gone up to the point where people feel motivated to steal it. But part of the motivation to steal is often informed by whether you or not you have warm and fuzzy feelings for the person you're stealing from. And as more and more people suspect that retailers have been padding their profits and hiding behind inflation, they're less inclined to feel guilty about stealing some some meat or some dairy or some of the products that are um, increasingly being uh, light-fingered, as people would say. But another aspect is this. The labor shortage is so acute that some grocery re retailers can't staff the way they want to staff. So they don't... 
they don't have people on the floor, so they don't have eyes on the aisles, and so people can steal. And then you get to self-checkout, which is pretty easy to manipulate, I think. Well, plus you have items that weren't really high value before, you know, a lot of grocery stores will have the baby formula and stuff locked up, right? They have yep. a system for that. Well, they're not going to do that with all of the all of the meat. So, you know, that's a lot of infrastructure for stores to have to bring in. And it's, again, it's a high value item now. Yeah. And I guess, you know, it's fairly easy if you get adept at it to be standing over the meat refrigerator and, you know, stuff something down your pants or into a big pocket in your coat. You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.